Welcome to the teaching ministry of The Cause Church. We pray you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. I gotta tell you, you guys have some of the best worship I've ever heard here. And if I wasn't saved, I'd wanna give my heart to the Lord. If my heart was a little hard, I mean, by the way, do you guys ever have that happen to you, just living through the week and putting up with some of the stuff you need to put up with, and your heart gets tenderized again while we're worshiping the Lord? How many of you know what I mean, you know? And listen, I already, John, Pastor John, I should say that in front of all these people, you know, but by the way, thank God for the entire staff uh, here at The Cause, and, and you, you have... There is an unusually beautiful happening here at the cause. The presence of the Lord, his tremendous love, and you guys are all so awesomely gifted. And just you're, not only are you used in this season, and of course in past seasons, the cause as well as your sister church over there in West Covina, have been lighthouse churches that have been instrumental in strengthening and even starting other churches and pastors going out. I just want to thank you for being a part of that. But I know why when I'm with you. The love you have for one another, the love that you have for the Lord, just grow it. Isn't that right? Just grow it and look forward to the season ahead as well as what you're in now. Because I happen to believe, I mean, I have the privilege of ministering around our nation and a little bit beyond there as, to, as well. I usually go to places like Europe or places that are so poor that um, you just don't know where you can even find food, let alone a bathroom. And that's usually where the Lord calls me in Benita. But um, anyway, just a delight to be here and see how you have embraced the Lord. Well done, well done, and, and keep it up. There's a revival happening in our land. God is raising a standard. He's already doing it. Don't get caught up in the news. Get caught up in the good news of God's word. Amen? Let's let him do something. I, 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 listen, I like, like, like Junior. How many of you like that guy? Huh? You know, and I, I told Benita, what are we doing uh, November 6th and 7th? And then she told me what we were doing. I was so disappointed because I would have crashed the party. I just... And I'd like to say it was Junior. It might have been the In-N-Out Burger and, and Krispy Kremes and stuff, but just honestly, being around you guys, it, I'm not exaggerating. This is refreshing to me. I mean, I might enjoy a nap when I get back to Los Angeles today. Uh, Pastor John's driven me pretty hard this weekend, but honestly, my soul is refreshed because of being with you. Amen? Listen, so thank you. You're, you're kind to acknowledge that. Turn with me, if you would, to John chapter number two. God has a word for you. Do you believe that? And he does, and it's out of John chapter number two. Listen, I was not born and raised a Christian, and I'll apologize now uh, so John doesn't have to dig out of it next week or something, but uh, you know, I, I love God's word, and when I look at his word, sometimes I see something that, I don't know, maybe if you'd been refined and around the church, and I'm trying to get refined, John, but you know, it, it, you begin to see things a little bit differently. And 
when I was looking at getting ready for, for this weekend and asking the Lord what he'd have me minister to you on, because I believe he has a word for you, and it, my job is to seek that word out. Do you understand? And when I was looking at this, I thought, the miracle, the first miracle that Jesus did, do any of you, don't, don't look, don't read it yet, but do you know what the first miracle that Jesus did? What was it? He turned the water into wine. And I think, are you serious? He did beverage service as his first miracle? You know, and I think, but there's something about, because I was thinking, you know, I kind of read on. I think, well, what did he do after that? Do you guys ever get that kind of appetite to find out what's he doing? What's he doing? And so I was reading on, Centurion's daughter gets healed, you know, and lady that's spent all her money trying to stop the bleeding that was going on in her life and she was dying and he just heals her in a moment. I mean, it's just, yeah, those are the kind of market. Huh? You know, if you're a marketer, you know, those are the kind of highlight. I think, what's he do? Can you imagine the billboard? He gave beverage service at a wedding, you know. But you know what I was thinking? It tells me he cares about the details of your life. He cares about the small stuff. It's not, you know, sometimes we invite him in big stuff. Sometimes we don't do that either. But sometimes we invite him in the big stuff. But did you know he cares about what you care about? And he has a plan for that area. Sometimes it's not your plan, but it's his plan. And it's always a good one. But he has one. And I'm just thrilled by that. But I was trying to think. We'll read it in a minute, all right? Because my time starts once I read the scriptures, what John told me, all right? But, but I was thinking, now, what would you do? And I want you to think like this, because these are real people in, in John chapter number two. This isn't like a story that didn't happen and it's told and we romanticize it. These are real people like you and me that had real need of beverage service. Anyway, but I was trying to think, if I was the officiator of that wedding, because I've officiated probably well over a hundred weddings, huh? If I was the officiator of that wedding, what would my response have been if I found out they ran out of beverage? Now, I wanna be honest with you. That means not necessarily truth-filled like Jesus telling you what Jesus would tell me to do. I wanna tell you what I would wrestle with. and. But I really am saying that because I want you to put yourself in that situation and tell yourself before the Lord what you would wrestle with. Because I think if, if I were the pastor officiating it, and Benita, and I'm gonna use my wife as an example because she doesn't get mad at me for doing so. Well, once in a while, Sherry. But most, <laughs> of, most of the time, not. And I was thinking... The first thing I would do if somebody came up and said, Pastor Robbie, they've ran out of beverage. Is it all right to call it beverage? Because I'm making it a little bigger than what it is and I don't want to talk about wine right now. Anyway, so if, if, if I was talking about, if, she, if, if I heard they're out of beverage, I would be torqued. I thought, what's wrong? Who miscounted? And then think of the tension it would be bringing me and Benita Okay, in other words, I'm gonna then kind of get irritated with her. Come on, have you guys ever been in this kind of situation? You're responsible for the party, all right? And 
there's a lot of people in here that you're detail people, you're planner people. So, you know, if you're having a group over at your house or whatever, you're planning. You know, have you ever gone through the store? How many, how many Sprites do we need? You know, how many Cokes do we need? How many bags of ice do we need? When I go camping with guys, how much bacon do we need? Always way more than you realize, all right? You know, and we're gonna cook bacon out there. That's all they want. They, don't, they like Cheerios, but go for the bacon, all right? But how much do you need? And I'd be saying to Benita, and I want you to think of the marital tension that this would bring. I'd be saying, I mean, inside I'd be thinking, girl, what air bubble did you have going through your head when you turned in the order for beverage? You clearly ran out. Now, how many of you have ever kind of gotten in a fight with somebody? I mean, you felt tension, there was discord brought into that relationship because of something like that. How many of you fought over things that later on you thought that wasn't even worth fighting over? It was kind of stupid what we did. Do you understand? Okay, raise your hand again. I want to see how many understand it. Okay, it gets worse. Huh? How many of you have ever, in the middle of a fight, just pitched something else in there, like a lobbed grenade, and watched it get worse, but you were getting it off your chest? Huh? Come on, how many of you have done that? Okay, I have to. So let's go back to the beverage service when he's getting ready to turn water into wine. I'd be thinking, Benita, and by the way, she's a planner, but I'd be treating her like she wasn't. Did you plan this out? Whose mistake was this? And then after I'm done blaming, huh, come on, how many of you have done a little blaming in your life and it hurts people? Huh? After I'm done blaming, now we need to find a solution. Huh? What would your solution be? My solution would be, you have somebody, in fact, why don't you pick Chris and Ez, in fact, Lauren's with them, and we need more people to carry lots of beverage once they go shopping for it. Get them over to, I don't know, where would you go? Don't answer that. Where would you know? BevMo, all right? And get them over to BevMo and get some more beverage and get it back here, you know, for the party so it can continue. And you know what she'd tell me? Robbie, we can't afford it. Now, about that time, I don't want excuses. Look, I don't want to hear we can't afford it. Isn't there a way that we can afford it? Well, uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, we've been really close on our finances lately, and, and, you know, I don't know what to do. Woman, huh? Woman, get the charge card out. You, know, you seem to know where it is. You've gotten us in other trouble before with it. Huh? Come on, throwing more grenades into the situation. Woman, just go charge it in the prop. Well, Rob, we don't have, we shouldn't be doing that. Remember, we took the Dave Ramsey course. He told us we're to live out of cash and envelopes and things like that. Bonita, skip Dave Ramsey. We have need for beverage. Go get it. We'd be fighting. Can't you, can't you feel the tension? Between, there's really no tension between us, but can't you feel that kind of tension? You understand it. How many of you understand it? Come on, give me some feedback. There you go. You know what I have omitted this whole time? I never asked the Lord's help. Never, never, never. I didn't ask him help when... When I heard the rumor from Lauren that we were short on beverage and I didn't ask for his help when it came to her 
Benita telling me we didn't have enough. I was not inviting the Lord into any situation. But he's at the wedding. Yay. Huh? He cares about weddings, I believe, too. Isn't that right? But he cares about you, and he cares about details in your life right now, and he wants to be invited in places that you wouldn't even think he'd like to have a plan or help. Come on. And he does. He cares about you. That's why the Bible says he numbered the, counted the cares on your, the hairs on your head. Isn't that right? Some of you didn't count them this morning, huh? You'd be counting all day. Others of us like mine, I could count easily. All right. So let's read this. Are you with me? On the third day, there was, this is John 2. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. The mother of Jesus was there. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. Would you say invited? Now, I watched some of your mouths. You didn't say it, all right? Let's all say it, all right? Because I'm setting you up. You might know that. But say the word invited. Okay, thank you. When they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, by the way, I'm not sure my mother would like this scripture, but woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. By the way, I see a couple of young people in here. I want to warn you on something. I know that like people like Pastor Chris Castillo will say, if it's in the word, you can say it. If it's in the words, you can live it. Don't go home today and you're eating lunch and now you're done with lunch and you go play with your Xbox and your mama says to you, I've asked you three times to take out the trash. Don't be quoting this verse. Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come, all right? Because <laughs> mama is going to help count the hairs on your head about that time, all right? Let's move on. That was my enjoyment out of verse 4. Verse 5, his mother said to the servants, whatever. Do you know whatever means? I mean, it's not like somebody saying whatever, all right? This is all-encompassing. This means don't eliminate any portion of it. Whatever he says to you, do it. My problem is I don't listen to him enough. How about you? Okay, let's pass over and come back to that. Now, there were six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. By the way, you multiply the middle of that times six, so 25 times six, there's about to be a whole lot of beverage that he's going to create. Yes? Verse 7. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And what did they do? It says they filled them up to the what? To the brim. They became brim fillers. I want to be accused by the Lord of being a brim filler. When he says to do something, I want to fill it to the brim. I don't want to do a halfway job. How about you? He said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And the master of the feast had tasted the water, which is made wine, and did not know where it came from. But the servants who had drawn the water knew. And by the way, that's, I call that an apologetic scripture. It's letting you know there wasn't a switcheroo. The servants knew the whole time. 
aright, and the master of the feast called the bridegroom. He said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And the, when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. Do you know why they started with the good stuff and moved on to Boone's Farm or Thunderbird or whatever, Target Box, whatever it would be called? How many of you know why? You don't need me to explain it. Literally, a third of you don't know why. I worked in a liquor store. It's where I got saved. They were inebriated. Do you know what inebriated means? Please don't make me explain that. Now, by the way, when people get inebriated, they don't realize they're drinking junk. They think, uh, I won't mimic it, sorry. I might be going too far with that. But when they're inebriated, mom, I mean, by the way, Sherry is like the mom in the faith. Do you understand? And I, before I used to look to John to get the okay, see if I was all right, I just look at Sherry. If she's good with it, I'm good with it. How about you? Is that right? But listen, when people are inebriated, they're drinking garbage and they don't even know it. They still think, in fact, they think their garbage that they're drinking at that time is good, but it's rotten. Do you understand? Do you know there can be an emotional and spiritual inebriation? You know, Romans talks about in Romans 1, you know, where we, we start off with a tender heart in life, and we can grow callous. Do you know that you can start off a journey of sin and be convicted of things that we do wrong and then pretty soon keep overriding it and keep overriding it and keep overriding it? We don't even realize we're destroying our lives by the t that time. Come on, how I many of you know what I mean? I've lived that road, I know it. And then just like this, just like they ran out of wine, I had nothing in my life and yet Jesus was willing to come in my life and make my life new. How about you too? It goes on to say this, you, it, last part of verse 10, which that's part we're reading, you have kept the good wine until now. How many of you agree? They kept the good wine until right then. Raise your hand if you believe that. It's not true. I was fooling you, sorry that. They had nothing. They had the good and they had the bad. They didn't keep the best, but obedience to the Lord made the best. Do you hear me? So I want to talk to you about three things for just a short bit. That's to comfort Pastor John. But I want to talk to you for just a short bit about three things that will open your life up to God's ability to bring you a transformational miracle in the places of your emptiness. The first one's found, let me look, in verse number two, and it says this. It says, Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. Say the word invited again. They were invited. Now, by the way, there are so many words that, you know, or things that we imagine on like a continuum of what the word invited means. In fact, I was thinking, and by the way, I'm gonna talk about a relative, and I'm hoping to God that they do not find this online. I mean that, they would be offended. Can I talk to you openly about it, though? I'm gonna call this relative. She turned out all right, 
She was marrying a relative of ours, but I'm going to call her Bridezilla, okay? And if she heard that, she would not be pleased, all right? She might even come over to my house and throw a temper tantrum right in my face, but I want to tell you about her. I go over to this relative's house before they got married, and, and there they are, her and her fiance, and they're getting ready to send out invitations. Do you know what an invitation is? Huh? An invitation can be verbal as, don't, by the way, you don't need to move. This is an example. Come up here, grab my hand. That's an invitation. Do you agree? So isn't an invitation meaning I'm, in, I'm wanting you somewhere? Doesn't that, you know I'm setting you up, don't you? It doesn't mean you're wanting to be somewhere. That's an invite, all right? I'm going to go to Carl's Jr. afterwards. I'm going to invite somebody to come and eat with me. And I would expect them as to show up, Lauren, to show up because I invited you and you said yes and, and we're all happy. Isn't that right? But I'm over at Bridezilla's. It's actually not her house it's anyway, but relative's house. And they have a mountain. I mean, I have never seen so many wedding invitations in my life. In fact, I don't know that I've seen half that amount, honestly. And, and she and her dutiful fiance are busy filling out all these invitations. And I said, innocently enough, oh, how many invitations are there? You know, what, what are all these? Oh, they're invitations to our wedding, she said. How many invitations are there? She said, there's about 700. 700. And immediately, because I'm a pastor, I've done a lot of weddings, I immediately thought, Good thing that she told me this because I know where she's having the wedding venue. And that wedding venue won't even hold 200. So I am about to open my mouth and save her all the embarrassment that she would go through. You understand? Some of you gals have already figured this story out, huh? And so I said to Bridezilla, I said, listen, I don't know if you knew when you were over checking out that wedding venue that you guys are renting, but I said, that won't hold, but not even quite 200 people, and you have 700 that you're inviting. She looked at me like I was the dumbest man on the face of this earth. She looked at me like, did you hit your head? Were you born yesterday? I think she wanted to just say all sorts of ornery things to me. She said... I don't want all those people at my wedding. Oh, I thought that's what invitations were for. Come on, how many are with me? How many of you say, no, I know better? Okay, I knew you were one of them. I could see it. You're, I don't mean Bridezilla. I don't mean that. No, but you're, you're more current on what an invitation for a wedding would mean. So I still am ignorant. I'm thinking, okay, she doesn't want them there, but she's sending them an invitation. I don't understand it yet. How many of you wouldn't have either? Huh? No one's, oh, thank you, thank you. All of us men raising our hands. And so I said, well, why are you then sending people invitations if you don't want them at your wedding? And she said, because I want their gifts. I thought, 
you stinking little brat. That's what I was thinking about. Now, by the way, she's turned out to be a wonderful relative joining the family. But, oh, I didn't think much. I remember that day thinking, I think you guys ought to, like, call off the wedding. This is not good news. You understand? So here's what I wonder. What is our invitation to the Lord? Do I invite him into my life so he can bring the gift, but I don't really want him with me? Or do I invite the Lord because I know I need his presence most? Because it's in that time of him coming into my life that the miracle of new life began for me. You know, you know, Revelations 3, you're aware of it. Behold, the Bible says, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him. God wants to sup with me. He wants to sup with you. And he has promised, come in and sup with you and, and you with me. Yay. In fact, you can leave the toaster outside. Come on, just bring yourself, Jesus. Let me tell you one more story. Do I have time for it, Pastor? Thank well, your mom said I do. So, okay, right there. By the way, you know that you carry a great authority, Sherry. And Benita and I talked about you. We love listening to every word you say. What a golden woman. I mean, Benita wants to have me drive over just to be a part of that women's thing, but we're busy that day. She said, well, quit work. Then I can, anyway. My mother-in-law, and by the way, I think she's kind of a sweet woman now, but she hasn't always been. Do you have relatives like that? You know, they're kind of toxic. After they're with you about five minutes, something happens. They're sweet, they're kind. How many of you have a, no, I probably shouldn't have you raise your hands, you know, but it, it can be a problem. And there's a reason we live 201 miles from her. All right, that's enough space. Okay, let's look for a house now. You know, anyway, we live 201 miles. She doesn't drive. By the way, this is true. Well, excuse me. Part of the story is made up in case my mother-in-law watches this. It's just made up for you, all right? But you can figure out which part's true. She does not drive. And she doesn't drive so she can expect you to drive her there wherever she wants. You are going to take me, aren't you, to go to the pharmacy. I need to go to the pharmacy tomorrow. Well, Joanne, it's 200 miles. I know, but I, you know my heart. Been bothering me for years. And if I run out of that medication, I could die. And it's going to be your fault you know, if you don't drop. <laughs> anyway, do you, do you catch the drift of what we're talking about on how she used to, used to be, in case she's listening? Anyway, so Benita and I were back ministering. By the way, we really were. Anyway, and we were, we were back ministering on the East Coast and we had flown that afternoon, got home, and I was dog tired. We'd been ministering all week at this one particular place. And I just wanted to be home, put my jammies on, sit on my couch, and have my dog there and, and be watching a little TV or something and do nothing. How many of you think, yeah, I get it. I get that, okay? We're sitting down. It's 10 o'clock at night, and the doorbell rings. No joke. And I'm thinking immediately, I thought, oh, I bet it's Gary, my next door neighbor, because he picks up packages 
you wouldn't know this, but if you lived in Modesto, you would people steal packages right off our porch if you don't pick them up, all right? So they did this. I mean, I think it's Gary. Benita and I both walked to the door, one of the first times we ever have together, because she's wondering, well, who is this? What's going on? So we walk, and I look. Now, in Modesto, I don't think they have them here, but in Modesto, they have these little peepholes that you can look through the door, and you can see who's there. How many of you have ever seen them on a movie or something, you know? And I'm not kidding. I, I reached down, and I looked through it. It was my mother-in-law. Benita said, who is it? I said, Benita, it's your mother. We're standing on the other side of the door, you know. She's on the other side. She's only two feet away. There's a door right there, all right. It's, and I said, it's your mother. She said, do you think she saw you? <laughs> so I, I put my eye back down to the, to the, whatever you call it, sight glass or something. You know what I'm talking about? Put my eye back down there and looked through it. She was looking right back. Hurrah, big old magnified like a fish eye she was looking right back at me I said yeah she saw us she said I suppose you should open the door so I opened the door you know what I said well Joanne good to see you what would you have said you don't want to you want to don't want to throw something at the porcupine you know you want to you want to be nice to it if it's that close right there so she's, so I said, and by the way, Uber is backing out of our driveway right then. Hey, 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 come back here, come back here. <laughs> she said, no, no, I just got it from the train station here. That's how I got here. I'm heading to blah, blah, blah. I thought I'd spend the night. Now she's still standing outside. You know what she says to me? Well, aren't you going to invite me in? <laughs> of course, what was I thinking? Come in, come in. She said, I'm a little hungry. It's been a four-hour train ride. I said, there is a dining car on it. <laughs> she said, do you have anything to eat or drink? Well, what do you want? I said, we always have something growing in the back of the refrigerator, but we've been gone a little, come on. I mean, we've been gone a little while, and, and, and I said, we probably have something frozen. Oh, what do you have? So I opened up and grabbed a Swanson's out of there and she said isn't that a Marie Callender no no close the door no 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 Marie Callender's around here here's a Swanson's you know she said you gotta heat it up for me of course you know and made her dinner right there she said I'd really like some coffee okay you're you're in luck I just a couple weeks ago bought some taster's choice I know you're a coffee connoisseur here here's some she said wasn't that Starbucks in there when you opened? No, no, it just tasters choice. And in fact, we got some good creamer. It's, it's powdered. It's really nice. You'll enjoy it. You know what she said to me after I made her coffee and after I heated up her Swanson's? She said, I don't feel very welcome in your home. Now, Jesus was invited to the wedding because they wanted him there. Jesus, I have not invited you into all the places of my life. And some of them, I've been treating you like an unwelcomed guest. And it's time that stopped today. Lord, come into my life. I need your presence. How many of you need his presence? 
I need your presence in my life. Listen, someday, you and I, it's our hope. We are going to see Jesus face to face. You know, right now, Paul says, we look through a glass dimly. You know, we're, some of us, so excited about the Lord. We're kind of pressing in. We read his word. We worship the Lord, that sort of thing. And we press our eye in to be able to see the Lord through the glass dimly. But there will be a day that you and I will behold all of his glory. And I think, I don't know about you, you know, some of you think, yeah, that'd be a kick. Oh, oh, you don't have a clue if that's what you're thinking. I mean, his hand holds the universe. And yet he knows the details of your life. He is the king of kings. He is all majestic. And I think we're gonna, I don't know about you, I think I'm gonna spend about a thousand years just going, wow, wow, try it out, wow. Be awed by the Lord again. Push in this week. Take advantage of pressing into the Lord and be not. But there's two things I don't want to say when I see him. I don't want to say to him, if I only knew that you were this great, I would have instead lived differently or thought differently if I knew you were this majestic. There's another thing I don't want to say. If I only knew that you love me this much, I would have instead had confidence. I would have instead stood boldly. I would have instead said these things to my friends. I would have instead lived this way. You understand? Why? And I just say, Lord, today, us, not, not, uh, church service one or two or three, but John's favorite right here, you, that we together would use this time to experience the Lord. Lord, I am going to press in because I need your presence. It is the setting for a transformational miracle. Let's go to another one. You, you, re- you getting something out of it so far? Look further on Verse number five, it says this, whatever he says to you, do it. Now, here's the problem I have. People like me, I mean, how many of you run a fairly fast pace of life? How many of you do? And boy, if you're a mama or a dad, you got kids at home, you know, and some of them are running to sports and needing to be transported here and there. Just life. I mean, going for groceries and got to have the car maintained once in a while, fix this, fix that, and get it fueled and who knows, wash it once in a while. Let alone if you have a house, mow a lawn. Your, your neighbors will be glad you did. You know, you understand. A lot of stuff in life. We have work and thank God for the joining of fellowship like we are today. This is so beautiful. But I think in my busy world, one of the hardest things for me to do is stop and actually know what Jesus is saying. Because how can I do what he says to do if I haven't listened to him and asked him what I am to be about doing? And worse yet, by the way, John invited me in case you don't like this, all right? You can tell him, please don't have that guy back again, all right? But I have had 
a somewhat trivial prayer life at times when the only time I'm talking to the Lord is giving him his assignment. Now, by the way, if that sounds arrogant, it is. And it was meant to. It, rather than, oh, Jesus, I love you. It's, no, here's your punch list. And I'll check with you tomorrow and give you a grade. You know, I, I had lunch with a guy by the name. Am I okay? Is this all right? I, I, I had lunch with a man by the name of Paul Youngie Cho. He actually died about three weeks ago. Pastor at the time of the largest church in the world in Seoul, Korea. Seoul, Korea, just two years ago, bypassed more than 50% believers. And those believers over there are just like you. They're spirit-filled, Bible-reading, God-loving people that are serious about the Lord. Amen? Anyway, and I, I'm having lunch with him, and they had 800,000 people attending their weekend services. I can't even conceive of that. Brea's not that big. You understand? 800,000 people attending. Multiples on Saturday, multiple service on Sunday, and sometimes they're asked not to come to church. Can you imagine? So there's room for the 800,000 because when they swell to 900,000, they can only accommodate 800,000. They got to do something about it. And, and, I, and, I, and, I, and by the way, I asked, Dr. Cho, I said, tell me, what was it like when you started ministry? And actually, in the area where he ministered to, it was less than, it was like right around one half of 1% Christian. And I said, how have you infiltrated the wall of multi-generational traditional family Buddhism? And I don't know if you caught all those that I, verbs I put in there, but those are all walls that keep people from sometimes listening. And he said, Robert, I pray and I obey. He said, it's it. Now I said, I pray and obey. You know, I mean, ask my wife, ask my family, my children, ask my closest friends, ask the church staff. They're gonna say, Robbie prays and obeys. And he said, but when you say obey, I feel like what you're saying is you try and just not sin through the week. Well, yeah, that's a good start. Huh? How many of you agree? Yeah. I mean, if you came from my lifestyle that I had been, you'd think, yeah, that's a really good place to begin. But he said, that's not what I'm referring to when I pray and obey the Lord. He said, I pray over every issue going on in my life. He said, I pray over my fears. I didn't know the guy had any. I pray over my concerns over other people, my concerns over myself. I pray for the challenges that are going on, even emotionally in my life, let alone dynamically in the world around me. I pray over my wife and her concerns. I pray over my children that are all adults. I pray over their families, etc. I pray over the church staff. And he even knew the geographical areas in Seoul, Korea that were untouched by the gospel. And he'd pray over those clans of people, etc. every day. That would be like you praying over your family. That'd be like you praying over your life, you praying over your apartment complex or your condominium complex or your home development, wherever you live, and saying, I know what's going on in my neighborhood. I know God has assigned me to my neighborhood. I am the Matthew 5. I am the light of the world. I am the salt of the earth that God has planted right there in my community. It's who I am. This is just all the salt getting together today. You understand? 
but the holes of the shaker are right over there. We're going to just kind of get shook out into our cars. Uh, not shook, you understand. But we're going to go out into our cars. Welcome to your mission field as soon as you drive off. Do you hear what I'm saying? So he's telling me how he prays. And then he says this. This is revolutionary to me, by the way. He said, when I'm done talking about all that stuff to the Lord, I'm not done praying. I then stop and listen to what the Lord would instruct me. How, Lord, how would you have me face this fear? How would you have me face this difficulty in my life, this challenge, this hurdle? What do you want me to do about it? And then and he teases about his wife, or he used to, again, very funny guy, and he'd say, and God knows my wife needs a move of God in her every day. And he said, you know, he said, but I honestly, I know her concerns, and I ask the Lord, what to do about them. And I wait till he's told me how to approach it. By the way, I, I wouldn't have any business if people did that. Because let's say I'm fighting with my wife. And when I'm fighting with her, uh, we call them tense fellowships, we don't fight. But when, when I'm having that tense fellowship with her, it's usually I'm right and she's wrong. How many of you understand that? Raise your hand if you do. You know, if she just listened to me, if she could just see life my way, things would really be better. And, you know, and she just got upset the other day. All I said in the middle of the tense fellowship we're having was she's starting to act like her mother. And she seemed offended by that, you know. Well, then I go to the Lord. All right, Lord, what should I do? And he begins to speak to me. Robbie, first of all, you need to realize she's my girl. And I like my daughter treated really well. So you know what I go tell her? By the way, I'm the Lord's son and he likes his son treated real well. <laughs> no, 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 I don't say that. So I like my daughter treated really well. And you know, Robbie, I told you through my word to live with her in an understanding way. All you're trying to do is get her to understand you. Oh, really? Yeah, you have that tendency and you need to get rid of it. Okay, and so I get instructions. Do you hear me? Then I know how to be with her. And then I know how to bring healing to her because I've listened to the Lord. Whatever he says to you, do it. Amen? Listen, do you know God knows your concerns, but he's waiting to be invited in. Do you know once he's invited in, he wants you to talk to him about those concerns? And do you know that's not the end of the story? He has something he wants to talk to you about. Sometimes it's a bigger issue. Sometimes it seems like a side issue, but not to the Lord. He wants to give you instructions so you know how to live so that he can say, or that someone could say, I can tell you're one of those people that whatever he says to you, you're gonna do. Amen? Let's go to the last point. And that is this one here that says, when they, verse seven, into the verse, they filled them up to the what? To the brim. They became brim fillers. You know, I was, I was thinking, there's been so many times when the Lord has spoken to me and either, you know, I mean, Hey, he's talking to some of you right now. You know that. How many of you have already had the Lord kind of correct something in you while you've been sitting here? How many of you have? Do you realize how easy it would be 
to get up when we're done in a little bit and to get up and go and do nothing. That is so easy to do. It's the slippery slope. Except I want to be a doer of the word, not merely a hearer of the word. Amen? So sometimes for me, and I've done this in church, where I'm listening to somebody like Pastor John. By the way, it's hard to find somebody that anointed. The hand of the Lord is not only on his whole family, but is on him. I love the man. In fact, I didn't want to preach here. He asked me to a while ago, and then I heard him preach at Angelus Temple Church of the Dream Center in LA. I thought, oh, that man is so good. I should just keep my mouth shut the rest of my life. Anyway, honestly, John, I love you and great word that you share. Every time, even this morning, my heart being touched by you. you I like you so well, you can speak pastorally into my life. Do you understand? Do you understand? But I was just thinking about, just for a minute, about how we do things and we kind of do them safely. Like, let's say the Lord is saying, by the way, sir, I want you to kind of own your stuff. No, he, the Lord never says kind of. That's me. You need to own your stuff and you need to tell your wife you're sorry. Hey, woman. You've had a bad attitude lately and I know I was starting to respond to it. I just wanted you to know. Sorry. <laughs> oh, wow. So sincere. I'm sure it was <laughs> relationship changing. <laughs> because <laughs> you had a little backhand in there, a little bit of blame. I love blaming other people for my stuff, but I refuse to. Come on. How many of you are pretty good blamers if it came to blaming? Yeah, a bunch of you. You know what I'm talking about. We're, we're in sobriety. We got our 20-year pin for not blaming anymore, you know, but still got to keep the Lord working on that area because, oh, there's a temptation. Isn't that right? Come on, you blamers know what I'm talking about. But instead, no, you know, that, that's kind of half. It's, it's not brim filling. You know, I remember one day, there was an altar call. I was a much younger man at the time, in my 20s, and I went forward to the altar call, and it was just to get into God's word every day. And I did, and my buddy went up to the altar with me. I mean, with, along with a bunch of other people. And anyway, and I saw him on Wednesday night, and I said, hey, how's your, you know, what have you been experiencing with your Bible reading? And he said, oh, I started reading my Bible Sunday night, Rob. And he said, all hell broke loose. He said, how about you? Oh, me too, man. I mean, it, there was adversity. It, I mean, it rose its ugly head. I knew the enemy was displeased. I said, what'd you do? He said, I stopped reading. <laughs> then he said, what'd you do? I said, I read double. Come on, that bulldog tenacity. I'm going to be a brim filler. As a, you know, think about, last word, I promise. <laughs> Halfway. Think about, let's just take one issue, forgiveness. There are some of you in here, you've had the Lord already deal with you. Come on, don't use, for, don't use ought to protect yourself. Use wisdom. Use the Lord's instructions. Use the word to protect yourself. Live by it. But don't use holding ought 
And some of you know, you know what? The Lord's been dealing with me before I have not forgiven that person. You know, I taught on forgiveness one time and I had a lady come up the altar afterwards and talk to me. I mean, we called it altar, sorry, you know, but the steps and stuff. And she came up to me at the end. She said, I just want you to know some pastor. Yeah, what's that? The Lord was convicting me of how I've held things against my husband. And I was looking at her and I thought, well, she doesn't seem very soft in what she's saying. She said, I just want you to know. I'll forgive him, but I won't forget. Well, I know it is kind of hard to have selective Alzheimer's, all right? But could it, was it okay that I said that? Could, could it be that we no longer define our relationship with that person over something that happened? Could it be that we release them from the debt that we owe them? That woman was safe in her delivery of forgiveness, but God had called her to be a brim filler and truly release the debts of that person to the Lord. Do you hear me? Okay, we are done. By the way, I have so enjoyed being with you, but I wanna pray for you right now. Pastor, would you mind coming up here while I pray? Thank you, thank you. Hey, you guys, I love you. It's nice being with you. You're contagious in a really good way. The love of God shows. Your tenderness towards the Lord in your hearing. I just want you to hear an older guy say, well done. Do you hear me? And your Father in heaven sees when your heart is tender towards the Lord to obeying him. Bow your head with me, would you, right now? I want to ask you at least two things. And first of all, I'm going to respond to that issue of that I felt stirred in my heart over the issue of forgiveness. But if you wouldn't mind keeping your head bowed, is there anyone in here you'd say, Pastor Robbie and Pastor John, God is dealing with me over forgiving someone and by faith, I'm going to. I'm going to now. I'm going to release them of the debts that they owe me. Regardless of how, whether it would sound trivial to someone or sound catastrophic, it's forgiving them. It's giving their debts over to the Lord. He doesn't happen to forget. He wants to deliver and heal them too. But your stand is one to forgive. If you have someone that you need to forgive and you're willing to do it right now, I want you to lift your hand. Lift your hand. Many, 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 many. Keep your hand up. I want to ask Jesus to help you. Lord, I ask you, your Holy Spirit is standing right there in the same row they're sitting. You're right beside them. You see your daughters and your sons that love you. And we all together want to have a clean heart before you. And Lord, we know that something bad happens when we hold on to stuff. But we give you that situation. Whisper the situation to the Lord. I am forgiving, and you put their name in. And I'm forgiving them of. What are you forgiving them of? Lord, they're, maybe they were selfish or cruel, hurtful. Lord, we forgive them of their use, of their abuse. We know it wasn't of you but we give it to you to not hold it. They no longer owe us a debt. No longer. 
And Lord, show us what wisdom would be like in guarding our life where we are to stay and live out certain boundaries. Show us what wisdom's like, but no more bitterness. Heal them of that, Lord. Right now, heal them. Holy Spirit, speak to their heart and heal them. In Jesus' name. We're going to linger just a moment more. He's healing someone. I can sense it. Lord, heal them. We're just like a flushing of water through their soul. You'd be washing away all those hurts. And we let go of them. Thank you that you care about those things. And we thank you, Lord. Then keeping your head bowed another minute, another moment. Is there anyone in here you'd say, Pastor Robbie, Pastor John, I'm away from Jesus. I need to open my door to let him in. In fact, not just let him in, I invite him in. I send him the invitation that wants his presence in my life. And I want him not for what he does peripherally. I want, it, I want him for his presence to love him, to seek him, to find him, to love him, and to live with him all eternity. Maybe at one time you knew the Lord, you walked away. Maybe you've never given your heart to him, but come home today. Give your heart to him today. If that's you, just slip your hand real quick. Yeah, I see that. I see that. Anyone else? Yeah, yeah, amen. Anyone to my right? Yeah, I see that. Jesus loves you, girl. Wow. They're throwing a party in heaven over you right now. And the Lord's so proud of your tenderness to him. He loves you. Amen. I see that, sir. Jesus, heal him as he just comes to you. I sense this. he's got a lot of pain. And he doesn't want that pain. He wants you. Heal him right now. In Jesus' name. You raised your hand, just tell him before I lead you in prayer, just tell him you love him. Just say, I love you and want you in my life. Come in my life, Lord Jesus. He will. Let him embrace you. Let him hold you. Let him kiss you. He loves you. He's pure. He's holy. He restores. Thank you, Lord. All of you say this with me, but especially you who raised your hands to make things right with Jesus. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I love you and today I put my life in your hands and my trust in your hands you are so good and I need you would you forgive me you're the only one that has the power to do that you have authority to forgive me thank you that you are wash me clean and today, I invite you in my life as I give you my life. By faith, I am accepted. I am loved. I am forgiven. And I am yours. Now train me in your ways, Lord. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. I love you all. Good to see you. Thanks for listening to this message from The Cause Church. For more information about The Cause or for further resources, visit our website, thecause.cc or call 714-255-0930.